is Kristen. And I'm Keontae. And you're listening to The Crafted Podcast. This is what? We like 11 episodes in. Now this is episode 12. Oh, we're fancy. 12 episodes. That's cool. Actually, we really we got we got new like podcast mic arms, so we really fancy, bruh. It's been a, it was a little struggle doing starting the podcast because like I was making like MacGyver makeshift type like mic stands. Yeah, it was looking kind of ghetto <laughs> up in here. I ain't gonna lie. It was to getting you. the job done. That's what really matters. But it was getting the job done. <laughs> However, it was a little you know on the tattered side. This is like giving uh, let's put a band aid on the middle of your broken glasses. Yeah. But now we all brand new, new mic stands. Like they're they're like boom mic stands. So we got the mics like just hang like it's it's just professional up in here. I I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I think we look pretty cool. I cannot got deny the pop it. Filters popping. Yeah, we on the the what filters? <laughs> the pop filter. That's what this is called. A pop filter. Oh, that's fancy. Yeah, like a pop filter. And if you really want to get a fancy, you can buy a reflection filter, which is like a kind of a dome thing that covers your microphone but we ain't got to get all into the audio um yeah he's our audio man he's our sound engineer over here <laughs> but um anyway how's your week been so far my week has been weakened i've been i'm just kidding is that a thing <laughs> you <laughs> you first, know? and one of the episodes you said the bills be billing work be working and now yeah the week, everything you just add a, you just add an ing on anything mm-hmm. i've been busy this week you know i've streamlined a lot of stuff at work and but i've been busy but productive is what i should say mm-hmm. and so you know it's been overall a good week and all that how I has your week good. been um, and my week has been interesting because like the, over the weekend, like I've caught, I caught like a little cold and I don't know if you can still hear it, but like, I'm like getting over it, um, now, but you know, our son August was sick and then I'm guessing that I got the cold from him. But anyway, so I just been fighting like this whole mucus and sinus type of infection type thing. But I had a concert coming up on Tuesday. I had bought the tickets like way earlier this year. And the, for this artist, like, if I don't catch her live in L.A. when she came this week, I don't know when the next time I was going to catch her. So I was like, bruh, I need to get over this cold before the concert happens. Yeah, his concerts are serious. <laughs> he was like, listen, I'm going to be healthy yeah, by this cause concert. Yeah, because I love, man, I just love live music. Just a little segue. Who I went to go see was Little Sims. If you guys don't know who Little Sims is. That's the computer game. I'll just say <laughs> If you guys don't know who Little Sims is, Google her. Look her up. Uh, she's a rapper from London. She's also an actress. She's an actress and a model. But if you ever watched the show Top Boy on Netflix, uh, she plays Shelly, who's who's DeShane's love interest. But um, aside from her acting on that, she's a really dope uh, rapper, a really dope artist. I don't think I've heard any of her songs. Now you got to show me. I've had a couple of songs on like playlists that you've heard. Like If you hear you'd be like, oh, that's her. Um, but like, to me, like, she's like the equivalent of like, she's like the London version of like Kendrick Lamar to me. Um, but she just has a little bit more. Oh, wow. That's a big, that's a big accolade right there. She just has a little bit more energy, but like the bar, the bars is top tier. And actually I went to the show with my brother and my little sister. Um, me and my brother, we go to shows all the time, but my little sister, like now she's really kind of getting into like, uh, going to like live concerts and stuff like that. So this is her third official concert and she loved it. She loved this artist. She was like, wow, I went in not really knowing that many songs from her, but bruh, like she was such a vibe. Like she was like, bro, I was just, we was up dancing, just vibing to her songs. Like it was a really nice show. This is one of the best live shows I've seen for a rapper. Really honestly, since Kendrick, most of the time when rappers perform in concerts and they go on tour, they just kind of stand in the middle of the stage or like, 
I don't know, they just sway back and forth. Kendrick was like one of the first people I've seen like have like an actual stage presence and you know now So she also had a stage presence. Yeah, like but like she had it like tailored, detailed screen graphics, all type of stuff. It was it was good stuff. Anyway, yeah, look her up. She'll be of course our song of the week. Um if you look in our bio. Uh, I mean, if you look in our bio, if you look in our description um, for this podcast at the bottom, we have a song of the week and we have a movie of the week, our show of the week. So check. So that I guess out. we should call her Kendrika. No, we're gonna call her Lil Sim. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but anyway, let's get on with our uh, segment. So we're gonna start off first with our let's get deep question, and today's let's get deep question is: Where is the sketchiest place you've ever been? The sketchiest place I've ever been? Yeah. Probably Skid Row. That's pretty sketchy. <laughs> it don't get more sketchy I mean, than that, really. <laughs> I mean, is that, is that considered sketchy? I mean, it's cons- I mean technically, yeah, sketchy, That's but sketch I mean, capital. Skid Row is a Skid Row. You know where else is sketchy? <laughs> Uh, San Francisco downtown, any downtown area is oh, pretty sketchy. The, the tenderloin, the tenderloin of San Diego. Downtown uh, San Colorado is sketchy. Downtown anywhere. Downtown Colorado is sketchy to you? Absolutely. You haven't been to downtown Colorado. We went to downtown Colorado when we, when we went to that restaurant before, or when we were trying to go to that restaurant before. Remember, our flight had like got delayed, and we were like, "Oh, we got like an hour or some. We got like a couple hours left." Yeah, I went to Colorado for a whole week, and I stayed in <laughs> oh, downtown. Oh, duh. Yeah, you were. Yeah, you but were. But it was downtown. it was quite sketchy because i walked everywhere and so you know i was walking miles really literally miles and so you know some of those okay mile let me not put an s on there i was walking mile but you know parts of it were pretty sketchy and i was thinking dang my husband would be tripping if he knew i was walking down here by myself Mm, tripping now (laughs) i mean yeah i mean see me like I grew up in L.A., so all of L.A. Well, I grew up in Compton to be exact, but all of L.A. is pretty sketchy. Just like you said, like Skid Row, that's the the heart of downtown L.A. Um, but it's I was, the sketch capital. Yeah, outside of that, um, I've noticed though most of the places we've traveled, every major city, like right where the major downtown is, it's low key like kind of sketchy. San Hawaii Francisco. was even sketchy. Oh man, Hawaii, Hawaii got interesting. That's really <laughs> that might be the most sketchy, huh? Not nah, nah. I would say on actually, a beach, it's sketchy on a beach. No, nah, I would say the actual the most the probably sketchiest place we've been. It either had to be Chicago when we were going when we were going to um where the shoreline was because remember we was on the we was taking the the subway. And it was just some sketchy characters on that subway, boy. I legit cannot remember. Remember, it was like, it was some girl, I don't remember, it's like some girl was talking to herself and then try, started trying to talk to us, but like, as we were riding the subway, like, going through pretty much like the regular part, like the outskirts of Chicago, I was like, oh, bro, this is, this is where all the rappers come from, this is where all the shooting at. <laughs> but then when we got, <laughs> but you know, we took the train all the way down to like where Lake Michigan is at, where the planetarium, where the where the Bears football stadium stuff was at. That's where we stayed, and that was you know that's like the touristy part. But boy, cruising through there, I was like, ooh, this. Well, I don't know why I can't remember. This is interesting. That's Actually, wild. also too, when we went on that bus tour when we when we went like into downtown Chicago, like we went on a bridges. bus tour. Where was I? Oh I'm, gosh. I'm losing it, y'all. We went on a whole big bus tour, and they remember, and I was like, this is where they filmed Dark Knight. Um, so this was like that's where they filmed Gotham City. So Gotham City is actually downtown Chicago. And like if you ever watched like Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight movie, like 
it's kind of gritty. You know what I mean? It looks kind of gritty. And that downtown is exactly like that. It's just that night. He shot it at night most of the time and put a filter on it. But yeah, that was Chicago. Wow, I but must I, have been living in oblivion. Yeah, but I'll say, I'll say it goes, it has to be Chicago and, and New York. Boy, New York was... New York wasn't... It, it was dirty to me more so than sketchy. It was so many people, it almost was not sketchy because it was just too many <laughs> that people. That was a sketchy part to me. But it was Especially like when we, t- when we was taking the train, like my, my brother lived in New York for three years. And so we went out to go visit him one time and we had our kids with him, but um, kids with us. But one night, um, like he took the kids for us, went back to his house and was like, you know, y'all just stay out or whatever. So we stayed out like in Times Square at night and we was catching the train back and we came back late. I don't, well, I don't know for you, like, as we was walking from the train back to his house, I was just like, bro, like, we was in the, he lived in Queens, and so I was just, like, walking around, looking after we got the subway, I said, bro, it's the bodega, yeah, where the bodega stuff was at, anyway, it was interesting times there, but we, we've been a couple of places, Dominican Republic is kind of sketchy, too, outside the resort area, so, yeah, yeah. okay, <laughs> that's the sketchiest place, all right, now, do you want to do my random section, too? or Yes, always. <laughs> That's our new... We got to come up with a name for it, though. I need something more jazzy. Acts of randomness? No. That's jazzy right there. Acts Ooh. of randomness. Okay, but anyway, so my random fact today will be... Let me let me, let me me browse through the Rolodex of my mind oh and think of something. Oh, my God. Um, Snapple fact. That's what it should be called. Okay, snap- okay, here's a Snapple fact I read like a few weeks ago, actually, which is going to be funny because we're included in this group. But did you know that they did a survey of millennials? Did you know that two more than two thirds of millennials sleep naked? Wow. <laughs> and we're part of the two thirds. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so funny and interesting to me because, like, even though I like. There's nothing, and like when they were asking, like, well, why do you do that? Most of them, it was a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the sensory. It was more like sensory for them. Like they just liked the feel of, of their skin touching the sheets, and it felt like a sense of comfort, which is another thing we can go on. Like, are we, is this just our millennial lifestyles is trauma ridden or something we need that comfort but i think it's because we have the weight of the world on our shoulders so we got to take the clothes off we probably don't need no yeah. extra weight i don't know but i found it interesting because then i started to think i was like bro because even though we do that like what happens if there's like a fire breakout or something like that and we gotta we get just gonna be running we down butt out. naked <laughs> bruh that's gonna be funny but anyway ain't no sleep that's like, wild ain't no sleep like a naked sleep i'm telling you matter of fact i had to put you on because remember, I, 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 thought, I thought something was going to crawl up me. I was scared. Girl, okay? I was like, girl, I'm telling you, sleep I'm like, naked. there's mosquitoes like... out in the world. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I am enjoying the sleep naked lifestyle. I am not going <laughs> to lie to you. All right. So let's uh, segue into our forever segment. This Today's topic, it's twofold. It might have to be a part one and a part two. Or maybe not. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Um. It's twofold. So our first topic is friendships and self-care and marriage. Okay. And the second topic is how we maintain the connection in our marriage. Mm, okay. So first with friendships and self-care, I'm going to ask you a question. So when is the last time you have had some self-care? Uh, the last time I had self-care was actually um, was a couple of weeks ago when I went to go see Gran Turismo. Um, I told you, well, really, 
it was funny because it was uh, we were celebrating your birthday. And so, actually, that day, I had to... I your had a concert bunch... wasn't self-care yesterday? Oh, well, my concert was self-care, too. So, that's the last time you had self-care? Oh, yeah, self-care. that's... I guess, yeah. I guess that's technically... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's technically the last time. Because now that we're recording... Which was this, yesterday. Yeah, I was about to say, it was, it was actually yesterday. So, um, well, yeah. I'll actually get into that. Yeah. That was that was self-care. And my last self-care was today. I went out with my friends today to top golf, And I have... Every Wednesday, I go and get a crepe for seven ninety nine at the Chocolate Bar mm-hmm. um, in Ontario, and it was so delicious, just delicious and nutritious. So I do that, not nutritious, but I do that every Wednesday. So that's a form of my self care too. How do you like to self care? Um, I just, I mean, self care for me is like literally doing the things that I love, the things that, the experiences that I love. Most people think of self-care, like, you have to go, like, oh, you got to go get a massage, or, oh, you got to go, I don't know, get your nails and feet done if you're a woman. But I think that self-care should just be you indulging yourself in the thing that gives you the most heightened experience of joy. So for some people that Dang, could the be, most heightened. Yeah. Like for you, for example, right now, well, you go when you go, you go through this food kick where like you be on something for like a couple of weeks and you get off of it. Yeah. Right now, your your high right now is enjoying these crepes when they're on sale for $7.99. A, because they taste good. They taste good. better at, when they're yeah. on sale. <laughs> I was about to say, A, because they taste good and B, because you're getting a deal. You love to get a oh, deal. Oh, I love a deal. Okay. So, but yeah, for me, like the high, like the enjoyment of, you know, the highest experience of of joy that I can have would it's be music. like yeah going to a concert bruh like I love live music and it's not even just the fact that like oh I just love hearing music like when you're in a, an environment going to like hear live music and me like I you know like I'm like halfway a musician like I can play the piano and you know I dabble in music and poetry myself not halfway a musician yeah cause I'm not you know I'm like you know don't put me on stage in front of people like <laughs> I mean, I can play like you. Know, I can play some songs hey, in the house here. Hey, let's make a freestyle. We should add next time. We should add a freestyle segment. <laughs> but yeah, I'm musically inclined, you know. So me going to a live music show is just a different experience. Like I, like that's my language. You know what I mean? Like when I'm hearing chord progressions, when I'm hearing, when I see the keyboarders get up there and just goes on a jazz riff, like that's my language, and it's like euphoric for me. Um. So yeah, that's that's so that's how for you self care. Okay. How I self-care, number one, I love to cook, but mm-hmm. I like to cook on my own demands. I don't like to cook when I have to cook. I like to cook when I want to cook, which is really all the time. But I also like to cook like in a kitchen that's clean with nobody in there, you know, kind of. Like sometimes I will um, uh, not pick up Josie at the same time from daycare and I will come home and I'll cook and then I'll go pick her up. And that is a form of self-care for me. I like to take baths. I like to light candles. I like to, uh, you know, so people always think of like the grandiose things as their form of self-care mm-hmm. but like even like uh buying a, a perfume or spraying a perfume or lighting a candle or or opening up the blinds you know things that give you small sparks of happiness so you don't have to wait for the big times to to pour into you you could pour into yourself with the small things wearing fuzzy socks i like soft blankets and so 
Um, I do a lot of little moments of self-care throughout the day, but the big self-care items for me would be cooking, would be shopping, would be, I love getting my nails done, getting massages, hanging out with friends, all that stuff mm-hmm. feeds myself, I guess you could say. That's good. Yeah, so that's our little self-care, our self Oh, wait, mm-hmm. I have another question, actually. How... Uh, have you prioritized self-care and how important is self-care in a marriage? Um, okay. Well, I'll answer the first part first. I think self-care is, self-care is definitely, um, on the important list in a marriage. Like that needs to, that needs to be priority in a marriage because if you, because what people don't understand is yes, you're one unit. Yes. You're coming together as one flesh, but you're still two individuals. And so if you're not operating at the you as your individual self, if you're not operating at the level that you should be operating because you're not giving yourself that self-care, you're not experiencing joy on your own time, then your output to your family is going to be lackluster, you know, or your output to your spouse, you know, in the unification of your marriage is going to try it's going to start to be lackluster because you're lacking that that joy and that those experiences that really set you off. Um, now for me, now here's what's funny about now my second, yeah, my this second man part gave this. a whole tit talk. Yeah, because I mean, while self, I find self care to be important, and you you definitely should do it. Me as a man, like it's me as a man and a husband and a father. It's a little bit funny for me because yes, I do want to have my self care as much as possible, and I know that I should. But sometimes I do feel like um, not guilty, but like I just feel like I can't. You know what I mean? I feel like I, there's there's just other things I need to do first. Like I need to make sure like y'all at home, everything is straight, everything is safe or whatnot. Or you know what I mean? Like I need to make sure like if the kids is a little bit rowdy, like you know I need to be like that covering for you, so you know your anxiety doesn't go through the roof dealing with them through the day. Or whatnot. And so sometimes, I'm not even sometimes, a lot of the times I do kind of find myself putting my like self care on the back burner, which, which this is no like fault to like you or I know. You, know, you saying. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's not my um, fault. Listen, everybody for themselves, every man for themselves. Yeah, yeah. So I do oftentimes put myself on the back burner and not really indulging in my self care because I feel like oh, I just have this this list of responsibilities and I'm the man, I'm the husband and I just got to be here or I got to do this and my self care can wait. I'll be fine. You know what I mean? But that's not, that's not, that's not really healthy. And I'm really trying to work through that and really, you know, map out like, you know, me and you, we have a shared calendar and we'll just put in dates in our shared calendar. Like, Hey, you know, Thursday is open. Nobody's doing anything on Thursday. Boom. I'm going to just put in there. Hey babe, on Thursday after work, I'm going to go to the movie theaters to, Watch me a movie. You yeah. Know? So I'm just, I'm working through getting to that point because right now my mind says, okay, Thursday, I know it's kind of towards the end of the week. The kids get a little bit more rowdier or my wife might be tired throughout the week because she didn't have to write all these reports at work. And I just need to be there and be like her foundation. That's so noble. But listen, over my kids, I love my kids. And so they're, even though they kids are not perfect and they get on my nerves but they can never be to the point where you know I'm really really losing it you know what I mean Mm -hmm. because they're my babies at the end of the day but I also want to say that um you really can't pour from an empty cup and 
taking those moments to yourself and taking those moments to indulge in yourself and to uh, find happiness. And you said joy a lot, but I feel like only God can give joy. But to find happiness, I feel like um, you really do have to take those moments so you could pour into your kids and pour into your family. And in that instance, we will all benefit, you know, literally, Mm -hmm. we will all benefit from you taking care of yourself. Now it can get to be too much when, if somebody's out like every day and doing too much and things like that. But I just feel like it's just, even if you do small things throughout the day, like, you know, go, go to get yourself a Slurpee after work or whatever it may be for you. Like me, put it on my favorite socks. And so I think it's important to prioritize those things. And I know you're trying to work through it, but listen, it's, you don't benefit anybody really when you're being a martyr for the family. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, everything in balance and, That's why you, you know, we do have our shared calendar. And if you just say like, okay, once a month, I'm going to try to do something for me or twice a month, I'm going to try to do something for me. And so, you know, I think that that is a way that things can work. Okay. So, yeah. Well, let's go into friendship. So, baby, do you have friends? Yeah. Yeah, we got friends. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends, the oh ones we can't goodness. depend on. So, are Indeed. you in this relationship? Are you okay with us having friends, like you know, just regular friends? Yeah. So everybody has friends. I feel like can people have friends of the opposite sex and be married? Um, I mean, yeah, y- yes, but that's to a degree. <laughs> in my in what, my opinion, what is the degree? Um, the degree is like. It just can't... Okay. The degree is, like, you can't be... If you have a friend of the opposite sex, like, for example, me and you have been together since high school. Um, That's when we started talking. Now, you might have, like, a friend that you grew up with or something like that of the opposite sex. Who am I to first to get married and be like, well, now that we married, you can't be talking to that friend you didn't grow up with or whatnot. But, you know, as you continue to have keep that relationship... There's just certain things like I, I feel like there's just certain things like that shouldn't happen with the opposite sex. The the friend of the opposite sex, like frequent, just like going places with this person or where it gets to the point where I feel like you spending more time with them than me and you get to spend more time. Oh, well, that's crazy. That's absolutely some, crazy. Some people have that friend, issue. Any friend should be that. I don't yeah. even think it should just be the opposite sex. That should be any friend. Like, you know, you're you're what's most important in my family is what's most important and friends are secondary even though friends are very important but they're mm-hmm. secondary to our marriage and and our family you know mm-hmm. but 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 to answer your question i mean yeah i think that i think it's okay for you know people in marriages to have friends of the opposite sex okay my husband <laughs> i don't know if you believe yourself on that i'm looking at his face right now no I mean, and my husband no. i don't have really friends of the opposite sex maybe like one and we don't even talk like very much but my my husband is a not a very jealous guy but he's a healthily jealous man he loves his wife and he mm-hmm. if i had friends of the opposite sex i don't i don't know how you really feel about that me i am the not jealous person in a relationship Mm -hmm. i don't care who is his friends as long as a boundary is not crossed you know 
But, you know, we all know what the boundary is. Like, don't play stupid. We know what a boundary is. Don't do too much. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, just don't do too much. That's just the basis for me. Like, be cool. You not nobody's therapist. So, like, okay, ask him for advice a couple times. But, okay, honey, now, when you start, you know, doing too much, then you doing too much. And I'm going to let you know. And he going to let you know. Period. Mm -hmm. However, you know, I don't really have friends of the opposite sex. And he has... He don't... I, friends is kind of an interesting term. I feel like he has acquaintances <laughs> yeah. of the opposite sex, which is okay. And most of them are, all of them are very respectful of our marriage because, like, let's be real. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, they, they know who I got. They but I don't, you. I like, don't even have. Like, make no sense for them to even try. Right. I don't have acquaintances of the opposite sex. Not really. But, like, when I do, it'd be, like, coworkers and stuff like that, yeah. you know, which is kind of different. But, um... How often do you think you can hang out with friends in a relationship? Mm, like I mean, when you're married, how like how much would be too much? Like if I, how often would you be like, okay, girl, like chill out? I'm trying to think of like an actual number. I mean, it really just goes back to what I was saying. Like you just got to make sure you're not spending more time with your friends than you're spending more quality time with your spouse. And so, you know, like I think that could be different for everybody. Like I think on average, most people like that are living a busy life, they try to make sure they have a date night, like, you know, once a month or something like that. And so, I mean, just casually hanging out with your friends. Like, if you, I don't know, if you're on your way home from work and, like, hey, I'm going to stop by the coffee shop and, you know, uh, you know, Evelyn is coming to meet me at the coffee shop. We're going to chat for 15 minutes. <laughs> Not Evelyn. <laughs> I don't know. That was just, I don't know why. That That's was just, just the name you thought of. <laughs> yeah. You know, Evelyn's coming to chat with me at the coffee shop for 15 minutes, and I'm going to head home. I mean, that's cool. But don't be, like, every day, like, hey, uh, I'm getting off work. I'll probably be home later, late tonight, because me and such and such is going to dinner, and then we're going to talk. Then or, blah, like, blah, man, blah. we going to the bar. We going to catch the game and going to the bar yeah. every night. I think, honestly, I think... Uh, too much would be once or twice per week is okay. I believe so. I think that's okay. But if you're going, I feel like going twice per week every week is kind of a bit much. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like every week. But I think once or twice per week is good. I think it's important to have friends, especially, I don't know. I feel like a lot of women make their marriage, their everything and their kids, their everything. And they don't make time to take care of themselves and self-care. They don't make time to hang out with their friends. And, you know, like, some men are like, oh, you don't need friends. You have me or we have each other. But that is, that's one of the telltale signs of somebody's about to be turning abusive <laughs> is ostracizing mm. you from your people. And so I think it's really important for you to have friends so somebody could tell you, like, okay, girl, he's crossed the line. Or, okay, girl, you've crossed the line. And the same for men. And, you know, I just feel like a lot of women are martyrs for their, I guess martyr is my word this time, right. are martyrs for their marriage. Right day. Yeah, you know, and you tend to be more of a martyr for our marriage. I was at one point, but I realized how important it is to have friends and how unhealthy it is to be like, my man, my man, my man, my kids, my kids, my kids. I love my man. I love my kids, but I'm going to get out and I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to pour into myself and mm -hmm. I am a much happier, 
healthier mom, wife, worker, all the good things. Yeah. And so, yeah. And see, I think it's interesting, too, like, because it also comes down to, like, if you're, whether you're an introvert or extrovert as well, like, that plays into a lot of stuff. And, like, for me, like, even though I have friends, like, I have I have friends that I talk to every week. I don't necessarily hang out with them, at you know, that much at all. Oh, with that's because all you guys are so busy. Yeah, we're. I mean, we're all fathers and husbands and stuff like that. But really, if we wanted to make time, like we could make time, like hey, every Saturday, which we used to back in the day, like we every once a month we gonna meet up and like have breakfast with each other and stuff like that. But what I was gonna say too for me, it's kind of interesting because like although I like having friends and you know having friends is nice, but like we go back to that word acquaintance too. For me. You know, me, for people that know me, like, I used to do spoken word poetry, and um, so I would go a lot of places, a lot of open mics and things of that nature. I mean, not to toot my own horn, but this is just me being confident. Like, I was very good at what I what I yeah, do with poetry. Yeah, he absolutely was. I'd tell y'all if he wasn't. Yeah, and, and so, and but what comes with that, like, being so good at that, at a craft, like, you get people that just want to be your friend or people that want to know you. The and all, man had groupies, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but, like, and all through the years, like, I just had people that have, like, wanted to connect with me or wanted to just, you know, hitting me up after a show, hitting me up, like, hey, man, I saw you at the show. We should hang out. We should grab coffee and blah, blah, blah. But, like, it's not just one person. Like, it's many people, like, doing that every time. And so, like, I've also just had to, like, kind of carve out, like, bro, like, Okay, I need to sift through, like, who, like, all this time that people are just trying to pull from me and this attention that people are trying to pull from me. Like, I need to just sift out, like, who do I give that time to? Yeah. You know? And so I think that's why for me now, like, I'm more content with just, like, I always tell you, like, when it comes to, like, birthdays or just us doing anything, I like doing stuff just with you. Because, and like I said, my line of profession, like, I've always just been around a bunch of people. And a bunch of people that have wanted to do stuff with me or just want to be around me because of what I can do. Yeah. And now I think I think it's just kind of like wore me out a little bit, for lack of a better word. And I just like spending my time with you. Now <laughs> really. he turned introverted all of a sudden. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. I mean, I'm still an extrovert. Like I'm still a people, you know, people person, but and I'm yeah. introverted with all the friends. My friend criteria is if we get together and it's a vibe, we friends, sis. <laughs> But yeah, so what do you think about um, us having friends that are single? And what if most of your friends are single, but you're married, you know? Well, I think that that, like, if you're married and most of your friends are single, I think that that's a problem. That's a red flag that you should see for yourself. Because you, you being married, like, that's a pro, it's a process. That's, that's a line of work that you're now in. You know what I mean? And you want to surround yourself with people that are having like-minded experiences. So are you um, talking you about single, off. like, not married or single, like, in a relationship, dating? Oh, no, no. I'm talking about, like, single, not married. Or, okay, so. Or just, or somebody, or somebody just dating. Doesn't have somebody. anybody? Yeah, somebody that doesn't have anybody or somebody that's just dating. Doesn't have a goal to be married. Yeah, see, like somebody that. that's just dating people and just dating and dating and dating, like, you being married and you having your you know monogamous view on life and spending forever with somebody, you know you how do you align yourself and continue to surround yourself with somebody who doesn't have that same mind frame? You know, like that's like a car mechanic hanging out with nothing but boat mechanics. Like, 
I'm rolling. Yeah, they I mean mechanics though. Yeah, you broke <laughs> mechanics, but you it's a totally di- it's a totally different thing. I have I have a lot of single friends. Now mm. that I think about it, I have a lot of married friends too though. Mm-hmm. But I have quite a few single friends and I think it's okay to have single friends. It depends on the kind of single friends you have. Though. Yeah, it depends on the relationship. I feel yeah, like where where are your common interests? Where are you know, where where are you guys and why are you guys friends? You know what I mean? Now, mm-hmm. if you have the single friends that's turning up in Vegas every weekend or the single friends that be like, oh, leave her, bro. Like, oh, she's dragging you down. You know, like that kind of single friend is a red flag. But I feel like in and of itself, a single friend is not yeah, know, a yeah. red flag. And also, because it's like, hard out here in these streets when I hear when I hear my single friends talk about the dating life and you know, dating other people and and seeing what's out there on the online websites and things mm-hmm. like it sounds crazy out there. So it looks it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I would say also too. It's 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 interesting. Like I'm not saying that you as a married person shouldn't have any single friends. I definitely think you should have single friends because also. You have to look at it as, just like you said, like, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup or whatnot. And so you being married, you have been in that relationship. You could be the one to pour into your single friends, you know, to continue to encourage them to, you know, if they're going through, if they're in some dating or relationship, that's something serious. You know, you can help guide them and give them like tips and tricks or yeah, not tips and tricks, but give them advice and tips on like how to I don't know move about if they're looking towards marriage if it's just yeah. they're looking towards something long term or they could see if you had a toxic marriage they could see what not to do right so so it seems like you changed your opinion a little bit on single friends being a red flag so it's the single friends that's like the no 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 the red flag is you just having a bunch of single friends like I'm I'm the only like in a in a group of eight friends I'm the only one that's but married. what if you're the first one that gets married. Well, I mean, if you're the first one that gets married, like I mean, that's in your group of friends. Oh, uh, I mean, that's that's a little different, like because, like, if you have, like, for example, if you come out of high school, of course, not everybody's about to get married. So all of your friends are essentially y'all, like, kind of single, still dating. And if, when you become the first one that's married, you don't want to stay. You don't, you know, if your friends, if but I would say, like, in a three year span, if none of your friends are either engaged or getting married, then like, I don't know. That's crazy to me. I mean, you just gotta you because like I don't think people really un, like people don't really understand influence, and they don't really look at like how how a person can influence, especially like if you have a friend that's been like your ace boom coon or whatnot, and they just on some crazy wild stuff, and you continue to keep them around. But what like, if they're not? Like, what if they're like you know a good like I'm talking about some good solid single friends. You feel me? Like. They yeah, yeah. Not, if they, that's what I'm saying. If they not, if they not turn up, like you said, the people that's turning up in Vegas. So it depends on their character traits, not whether. Yeah, they're it depends on what not. they do, and that's what I'm saying. That's that's okay. why I said with influence. Like if a single person, if a somebody is single, they going to church and praising the Lord, and you know, saying they <laughs> want to get married, then yeah, that's that's a proper influence. Yeah, but the improper influence is somebody like, bruh, I'm going to Vegas this week. Hey, we going for two days. We trying to go to. We trying to hit up all the clubs. Like, why would I be traveling with this person and putting myself in that position? Yeah, with other yeah. I was just I was just trying to clarify because you said single for I don't want people to misconstrue what you say. Keontae said having single friends is a red flag. That's that's literally what you said. Having too many is having too many single friends, but having too many single friends. Let's clarify. Let's like fine tune it a little bit. Having too many single friends 
who are not at the same mindset level as mm-hmm. you and who are doing the wild things and who are going to influence you in a negative manner. My single friends, and I have quite a few, my single friends are not negative influences. We're not, they're not asking me to come out and, oh, let's fly to Miami and cheat on your man. Like, you know, it's not like yeah. that. You know, it's more like, oh, let's get a massage. Let's go shopping. Let's, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, we just have to clarify that because we don't want we don't want to get canceled. We just start it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so my last question or well, last two questions. Um, so when I become friends with somebody, does that automatically make you their friend? Do we have friends as a couple? Like, how does that work? Mm-mm. No. We don't have fr- okay, but <laughs> no, I mean, but we like, have married friends though, right? Yeah, we have married friends. Okay, here's the thing: like, because you become friends with somebody, like they're they they have now become my acquaintance by okay. default. Okay, they acquaintance. Become I my, like this. This yeah, is levels to this. They haven't become my friend though. Like now, for like for example, me and you have a mutual friend. Matter of fact, this is this is probably my only friend who's really of the opposite sex. That's like. My friend that I can like. Oh, this is my I'm, best friend. Yeah, but but she's you know, my she, best friend Tiana. I love her. <clears throat> yeah, but she started off as you know. She was actually Keontae's friend. friends first. Yeah, you know what I mean. And but really, I don't even with her. It's interesting using the term friend because really she's like a sister at this point. Actually, we have family. Somebody in my family got married to somebody in they, in, in her family. So now she's became, your auntie. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. And we became aunt and nephew. But me and her are like brother and sister, really. Um, but I know people are probably cringing because, you know, that's like the stereotypical, oh, that's your bro, that's your sis. No, nah, like, this is really like my sister. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, like, the, the type of relationship we have in... It's really like a it's really like a brother and sister relationship. I can't I really can't explain it. And um, she's happily married to a yeah. to a six foot something Samoan who would probably uh he would probably turn into a bear. <laughs> but anyway, going back to what you're saying, but yeah, so like when me and you got married, her she became like she was she became your acquaintance from then on there. Or whatnot, but then as time grew, y'all became your own friends. That's y'all, my y'all best friend, bro. Own that was she was my first friend in adulthood, like real friend in adulthood, and my and my best friend in adulthood. Like mm-hmm. I don't know, I just gotta give a plug to. But my yeah, girl. but so I love like, her. I love you, T. Yeah, but and I think with that though, like it just like I said, it just depends. It depends on time and what you said, like the vibe. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I got some, pe- I got some people, some friends that like I'm friends with, and they're married. That I don't really, you know, me and their spouse don't really have, like, a connection like that. Like, you know, I, we're cordial, we're acquaintances, but, like, I'm I'm friends with your husband. Or, like, I know your wife, you know what I mean? Like, but, yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like, me and you, we ain't going to the bar. Like you said, we ain't going to the bar catching a game and nothing like that. So, <laughs> yeah, it just, don't, it just depends on time and the vibe. But, yeah, but definitely, yeah, you just don't automatically get there. So, we got to grow the, you got to grow the friendship. And to be that, you know, you got to have a vibe, basically. As I said, it takes time and, like, it takes it takes time and, and like, effort. the vibe, right? Yeah, and the vibe. But that's, but that's right. to answer your question. Like, so I don't think that that's an automatic thing. Okay. That what takes if you, time What if you don't like level. my friends? Or I don't like your friends? Well, I mean, it depends on what you don't like about them. Like, I don't know. Like, that's, an, that's, that's, that's interesting. Like, if you can find, if there's an actual, like, character flaw in a friend, like, that's something that really y'all should be discussing. Like, why is this person your friend? 
Right. Like for instance, and what like, don't you like about them? You know yeah, what I mean? It like, has to be something valid. But yeah, like for instance, for some, for example, for sometimes, like let's say me and you got with each other, right? And I already had a guy friend, but you was like, bro, like I've heard about your friend before from another friend of mine, and like that guy's like a serial cheater, or whatnot. Like that's something that me and you should talk about because it's just like, if this guy's a serial cheater, why am I still hanging around with him? That's going to that's gonna end up putting me in a position that I don't need to be in. So just cheater is okay, but serial cheater? No, I mean, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm totally kidding. <clears throat> totally kidding. Um, yeah, and I think, like, if you don't like somebody's friend, it has to be a valid reason why. You can't just be not liking them. You know, that doesn't make sense. I feel like some people might be a little controlling and just want the person to themselves, and, you know, that's not healthy. <laughs> and so got to watch out for that. So let's switch to our roots and bloom section and so i i want to talk about something different i want to talk about hidden kids and abuse Mm -hmm. heavy hitters (laughs) i'm so annoying (laughs) but anyways um this came up because you know i as you know and as everybody knows i've been a school psych for two years now and I did a year-long internship, so if you count that, that's three years. And so, you know, I am a mandated reporter, and not only am I a mandated reporter, but I feel like my parenting style has changed since becoming a school psych. I used to be a member of the Heavy Hitters team. I did. I used to be a member. Um, I used to have different parenting practices than what I have now, and now... I want to call it conscious parenting because I think gentle parenting has a negative connotation to it to people who were raised with millennial parenting like us, you know, and the different kind of parenting. So I'm going to say conscious parenting because really we're just being conscious of the conscientious of the decisions that we're making and we're we're making informed decisions and we're paying attention to our children and thinking about how we were parented and how this really impacts our children and you know they say millennials are the first generation to really pay attention to how we're raising our kids and the impact that our parenting had on us Mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting right Mm mm-hmm and so, what do you consider abuse? Like, what, what, how do you think the law defines abuse, and what do you consider abuse? Well, abuse, well, the law defines... You were a mandated reporter, too, so you should know. Yeah, the <laughs> abuse is anything that leaves a mark, and, like, anything that leaves a, pretty much anything that leaves a mark, and is just, like, like... Out of, out of this world, Yeah, out <laughs> of this world, like, like, oh, he just punched him in the face, like, what? So, is hitting kids abuse? I don't necessarily think hitting kids is abuse, like popping them. Hitting yeah, well, I'm them. saying when it comes when it comes to like popping them, like I don't, I don't really, I my mind doesn't find that as abuse, like yeah. because because I've you know I've seen people and known people that have actually been like abused. You know what I mean? So popping like a hand to say no or stop or you know give them a little like a little swack on the butt or something like that, like that's not abuse to me. Are we members of the pop and hit team? Not anymore, we were. We we are not members of the pop and hit team. Now, if every now and then we have to do a little holy pinch, we we sometimes are members of the holy pinch team. You know, give a little pinch to to get them moving a little bit. You know, sometimes. But that's even rare. We don't we typically don't put our hands on our kids 
And, you know, it's also, other than the fact that we're mandated reporters, it just, you know, we just didn't like the way popping and hitting made us feel as kids. And so we're just making a conscientious effort to not hit our kids. So do you think slapping your kid, like slapping them, you know, let's say in the face, is that abuse? Yeah, it's definitely abuse. Hitting 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 anybody anywhere in the face is abuse to me. Yeah, so... So, slapping a person is abuse. What about slapping them in the back? Is that abuse? Um, it depends on like the it depends on like the level of it. Like if it's like uh, I'm gonna slap you on your back and like <laughs> break your C nine spinal cord or something like that. Like we doing too much. What about slapping them in the arm? Is that abuse? No, like any like I said, it just any any place any any place else. It really depends on the degree and and also what it's for. You know what I mean? Like, just, like I said, doing a little... Because slapping him on the arm, that goes into, like, kind of the popping. But I feel like arm slapping is a little bit for, like, an older kid, where the popping is, like, for a little kid, and you're trying to teach them, like, no, don't touch this, or don't go don't go there, or whatnot. But I think, like, arm slapping or leg slapping, while we don't do it, or whatnot, um, I don't really... I don't find that as abuse. Yeah. I find that's something you shouldn't, probably, you shouldn't be doing, but it's not abuse. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to, um, I'll basically outline exactly what abuse is according to, you know, the law. So you are allowed to hit your child with an open hand on below, like you can hit them on the thighs, you can hit them on the butt. You cannot hit them above the Uh, chest. Below the torso then. Yeah. You can't, you can't hit them above, you can't hit them in the stomach. You can't hit it anywhere above the stomach basically Mm -hmm. and in the chest hitting in the back that's abuse all that is abuse anytime you leave a mark on your child so let's say you hit them on the thigh and you leave a mark that's abuse anytime you hit them with anything a belt a spoon a switch an extension cord a shoe a a sandal not a chancla you're the worst a sandal Anything, a toothbrush, you cannot hit your child with any object. So basically, you can only hit open-handed on the bottom, on the thigh, and you cannot leave a mark. So that pretty much limits people. A pinch is not abuse either, Mm -hmm. (laughs) as long as you don't leave a mark. If you leave a mark, then that's also abuse. Um, There's different kinds of abuse. So physical abuse, emotional abuse, mental abuse. It's so many different abuses. Sexual abuse. But... It's crazy how a lot of things can be construed as abusive, you know? And the way us 90s kids grew up, you know, we grew up in the, listen, I got hit and it's okay, and I turned out okay, but sis, you got anxiety, sis. But sis, you's in therapy right now. Listen, you flinch when somebody is doing this. You still can remember and take yourself back to that place. So really, you're not okay. Mm-hmm. But... You know, the way a lot of us 90s kids grew up is considered abuse in this day and age. And listen, the kids are different today, okay? These kids be snitching. They do. They snitch, okay? And not like, you know, in a negative way. I said that kind of to add light to the situation. But kids will tell on you. And not even purposefully. They don't go to the school and say like, 
oh, my mom choked me today or whatever. But, they'll, you know, a, a teacher or a staff member might ask them, hey, what happened to your arm right there? And they'll be like, my mom punched me in the arm when she got mad or my mom grabbed me up. And guess what? Literally because they say that, we have to report it just off mm. of that because we can't make the judgment, but we have to turn it over to the social workers to make the judgment because, you know, of the legal implications. And at the end of the day, our priority is the safety of children, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we have to cover all the bases and make sure the child is safe at the end of the day and allow that social worker to make the judgment call, which they've been trained to do. And so, really, why do you, why do you think so many people hit their kids, you know? Because they've been it's been passed down from generation to generation, really, like... I think that's why our generation is so interesting because we're the generation that's kind of stepping out of the box and doing things different and really looking at life in a different perspective, really hitting someone and beating someone. Like, like I said, this is, it's history, whether you go back to slavery or even if you go back to biblical times, like when the Hebrews were, you know, building the, you know, building up <laughs> Egypt. Like, they was getting whipped for doing stuff. Right. It do make you feel master. Yeah. Like a master or something. Like, it just feels... Now that we don't hit our kids, it feels crazy to even, like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, but it, that's to answer your question. Like, people hit, people hit people because they've been conditioned to do that. Yeah. And so, you know what? I've been thinking about, like, you know, when we used to hit... When we used to be part of team hit these kids, which is crazy, we have reformed. But when we used to be, you know, popping kids and doing all that stuff, I, I was thinking, like, why did we used to do that? Number one, you're right. I think it was, you know, part of the way that we may have been raised. And so we just kind of do what other people are doing prior to us. But also, it's because people can't come up with better consequences. So they can't come up with nothing like, oh, I know how to control them or I know how to get them to be obedient is to hit them or pop them or do whatever. And it's also people don't aren't gonna like this, but people and are, people aren't gonna want to hear it. But it's also because we can't um, control our own emotions. And here we are. A lot of the times when you're getting upset at a kid, it's because they're not controlling your emotions. And then at the end of the day, you're modeling how not to control your emotions. Mm -hmm. How you can't control your emotions. And so not only can't you control your emotions, but as parents, we also had control issues. Like, we want kids to be perfect robots and to be able to listen on our first time. You're going to listen. I've asked you to do this. How dare you disobey me? But at the end of the day, these are people. Kids are people with emotions and feelings and the way that they think. Even a two-year-old. It might be the wrong way to think, but we have to teach them and we have to guide them. And at the end of the day, a lot of adults are very controlling and they can't regulate their own emotions. Mm -hmm. So, and they can't come up with better consequences or good consequences. So what I'd suggest for people who are trying to, you know, lessen the hitting is number one, figure out how to regulate your emotions. If you got to walk away, if you have to put them in their room, if you have to, you know, do whatever you do to calm yourself down and then appropriately interact and deal with your child is number one. Number two, 
get on the internet and search up the consequences, figure out which consequences you can do. I should do, look, one of our next episodes should be about all the different consequences you could come up with. Because listen, we've gotten creative, haven't we? You know, we have them take breaks. We have them, I have them write about impulsivity and what impulsivity is and come up with a better solution and all those kind of things. But, you know, we need better consequences. And you have to real start thinking of your child as a person and start thinking of the fact that you're raising someone to be an adult. And you're raising someone to be assertive. You're raising someone to be a leader. You're not raising someone to just go with the flow just because somebody said so. You're not raising someone to, you know, just be blindly obedient. That's what had everybody following Hitler. Like, you know, real talk. Like, you don't want kids who are blindly obedient. You want kids who could think for themselves, who could advocate for themselves. And who better to practice advocating on than their own parents? And so stop looking as parents, as millennial parents, we need to stop looking at everything as disrespectful and we need to really target and work on those behaviors and stop being, you know, not, I don't want to say lazy, but start being more creative with the consequences that you're coming up with and start thinking, what is this teaching them? How am I going to be able to impact them and really truly teach them? Yeah. I mean, I think the key word what you said is, though, really, to be quite honest, just a lack of a better word, is lazy. Because in this day and age, like, there's way too much information at our fingertips that we don't seek it out. You know what I mean? And we have the opportunity right now to really break generational bonds that we've been in, generational bondage that we've been in when it comes to hitting our kids or telling our kids to, you know, be quiet and stop talking yeah, I mean, because grown folks is talking or whatever, or, you know, when they try to ex- do it right now, yeah, right or when they're now. trying to express themselves, we just shutting them down. Like we have a opportunity to, you know, just to, to, to bring forth a better generation, a better, a better way of thinking. And that's just with all things with, you know, not hitting your kids with going to therapy and stuff like that. All of these things, especially like in our community, like it's been looked at as taboo for so long of like, Oh, you doing that? Then, you know, we just don't do that. You, you know must I mean? be weak. Yeah. We don't do that's that. That's why these kids is out of control today. No, these kids is out of control today because people, instead of hit, they've replaced hitting with not doing anything, you still need consequences. You still need discipline. However, it doesn't always have to be hitting your children. So no, hitting is not abuse, but it can be. And your kids will go to that school and they will, you know, tell people and we will have to report it, you know? And here, here's the interesting thing. And, I, and I'm really interested on like the actual facts behind it. But like I said, me growing up in Compton, like I watched a lot of kids, a lot of kids I grew up with just you know, end up going down the wrong road and like into gang life and really just becoming crash dummies. And what a crash dummy is, it's just somebody that's just like, you send them on a mission to do something and they just doing it because they just, like you said, blind following you. And really, I think that there's a proper connection to like you growing up in a household and your mom saying, you you do what I tell you to do just because I told you to do it. Most of the kids were growing up in fatherless homes, and that's what they have instructed. And then when they get out into the street, they find the gang, which is more dominantly male. So they're looking for that male leadership. And now they've just equated with what they've t- learned in in the single parent household of you just do what I told you to do because I 
told you to do it, and that's what you're going to do. Now they're seeking that male guidance and leadership, and you know they're just falling under that same pretense of, well, my big homie said to do it, so I'm going to do it. Yeah, they don't question authority. Yeah. And so your kids questioning your authority and, and doing things on their own is healthy, but you just have to give them the boundaries. Like, yeah, I understand, but this is how you ask. This is how you advocate for what you want. This is how you get what you need. You don't get what you need by screaming and throwing a tantrum. So yes, go take a break, but then after you've done taking your break, then let's discuss on how we can advocate, Then let's discuss on how, you know, you, sorry, I had a little swallow I had to do but let's discuss on how you can properly manage your emotions and how you can get what you want and if you don't do it the next time let's discuss it again and if you don't do it the next time let's discuss it again and let's figure out a different way yeah yeah but like I said just even with the hidden like everything just has something connected to it you know and I wonder like what's this what are the statistics on like our generation and like abuse and like relationships you know, and people like that are just staying with people that are abusive to them. And it's probably a correlation to like, well, you know, I used to get whooped when I was a kid. Or I used to get, you know, when I was a kid, I had to stay at home. And they told me this. I do this because I love you. How toxic is that? Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> like I'm sure there's a proper correlation to that. But, you know, the, in, in our journey, in my journey, now that that we've been doing this gentle parenting, that's really what conscious. I've, yeah, our, our <laughs> conscious. Yeah. Let's not scare the people. That's really what I've been, like, thinking about, like, really in deep thought about, like, am I going to be hitting my daughters and conditioning them to get into a relationship where a man is going to be putting their hands on them and they just going to say, oh, well, my dad used to do the same thing, so I guess it's okay. Yeah. You know? So you just want to have these deep thoughts about that. Or, like, even with my son, like, you know, am I conditioning him to show him exactly how to beat on him so he can beat on somebody else? And yeah. pass that trade down, like you just gotta think about these type of things. Yeah, man, that's that's deep. That's deep to think about <laughs> when you really take everything into you know consideration. Yeah. Yeah. But um, all right. Um, well, I'm gonna just do a quick segment of our um of my lifestyle segment. Um, really, what I wanted to talk about is like most people know that I'm a you know I love film and and tv shows and i want to talk about a specific tv show that's you know that's that just came out um that's kind of really exciting and you know for people that know me they probably think i'm about to talk about star wars or like foundation that came out on apple tv what this man about to talk about but i'm about to talk about this show that me and you actually watched, oh we binged it <laughs> which is the ultimatum it's on so Netflix. good <laughs> Well, it's so good because it's inter- it's, a, it's an entertaining watch, but really at the end of the it's day, it's so re- tacky. Yeah, but I said what I want to talk about is like just how stupid <laughs> the concept of the show is. So for you, for those that have never seen the Ultimatum, like I said, it's on Netflix. Most of you probably have Netflix. The Ultimatum is a show where people come on the show, right? A couple comes on the show. And it's because one half of the couple wants to get married and the other one is like kind of on the fence. What that? Right. So they go on this show. The person says, you know what? I'm going to give you this ultimatum. You know, either we're going to like get married or, you know, we're not. Or I'm leaving you. Yeah, I'm leaving you. Right. But how the show is constructed is so it's a bunch of couples. You have the person that's given the ultimatum and you have the person that's receiving the ultimatum. What they do is they have these people pretty much like speed date and like swap with other couples, 
you know, and, you know, to see who's, like, compatible or not, or whatnot, and then they do, like, these trial marriages for three weeks of the person living with uh, one of the other couples that came, or one of the other spouses of a couple that came on the show to see if they're compatible and see how that's going to work out. Then after that three weeks, they go back to their original partner and do another three weeks of a trial marriage. And then that determines like, oh, you know, are we actually going to get engaged? This is the stupidest thing to me. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Like, it is pretty dumb. But it is entertaining. (laughs) It is absolutely entertaining. It's absolutely dumb and absolutely entertaining. Because I'm like, listen, if I got to make you go on a show to marry me, what the heck? Yeah, like, First of all, doing? I'm not even going to humiliate myself by going on TV. No offense to the ultimatum people. I'm sorry if you guys ever listen to this Shoot. podcast. But they offend themselves. I'm not, I'm not about to be on a show begging for somebody to love me. That is whack. Or not love me, but begging for somebody to marry me. I refuse. I absolutely refuse. Here's the funniest thing about this, especially this past season. The first, I, think, I, I personally I think the first season was better because the first season got real interesting. There's a couple people that didn't end up staying with each other. Um, but for this season, it was really four, it was really only four people I was really focused on, and that was Trey, Raya, Lisa, and Brian. The rest of the people was just they were seat fillers. But, <laughs> but these these four, it was just the funniest thing because here we are, we have Lisa, right? Lisa brings Brian on the show and she's giving him the ultimatum. Now she knows how the show works. He's gonna end up having to like date, speed date one of the other women or whatnot, and then do a trial marriage with and him. She, she knows the that, heck out. Right? As it's soon like, as he starts talking to another woman, <laughs> flipped out. It's almost as if she, she went thought, cuckoo crazy. Okay, yeah, it's almost as if she thought like I'm gonna bring him on the show, and once he sees that we're in the show, he's gonna be like, okay, you know what? We don't even have to go through with the show. I just want to marry you. No, Brian was out there speed dating, smiling, blushing, having women smiling back at him, and Lisa was not happy about it. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. Ah, uh, to the you point. You guys gotta check it yeah, out. Yeah, to the point where there was a there's a twist in this in this season with Lisa and Ryan that like kind of threw me for a loop. But bruh, this is just it's hilarious to me. And like just watching, it's it's interesting watching other couples operate like from afar, and just seeing like people's ideologies and like how they think, how they respond to certain things. I mean, this show has you have everything from just like mouse quiet people to just extra extroverts you got narcissists on the show people that don't even realize they're narcissists like it's 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 an interesting show but i just wanted to talk about like the concept of that like if you're dating somebody and like you're ready to get married and like you've had that talk with the person like you know i you know i'm i think we should like when are you ready for marriage and that person tells you like "Mm, i don't see marriage in my future at this point are you then going to say, let me just take you on a show to, you know, to make you marry me or, you know, like we could just break up after that. Like, I want to know, like, what what are your thoughts on this concept of giving somebody this type of ultimatum, but then doing it on live TV right. where you swapping with other couples and seeing like if I'm compatible with another person then and there. I just I just think it's just it's, it's just an interesting show. But yeah. like I said, very entertaining. There's some there's some episodes and some things that happen in the show that just be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> we may have to do a deep dive one of these days. Yeah. But anyway, so that's my lifestyle section. Um quick and quick and easy. Yeah, if you if you guys haven't watched that yet, um p- go watch it. It's on Netflix. 
and it's called um it's called the ultimatum um, <laughs> we said it like a hundred times <laughs> but yo this 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 show is interesting but um that's the end of our podcast for today um as always, we just want to thank you guys for tuning in with us. Um, you could be listening to anybody, but you're here listening to us, and we appreciate that, and we don't want to take it for granted. Um, if you're on Apple Podcasts, if you're on Spotify, please um, leave us a rating. Hopefully, we get a five-star rating that this is a five-star podcast. And also, just leave us some feedback in the comment section. You know, let us know maybe there's a topic you want to uh you know you want her maybe there's something that piqued your interest from this episode and you want to just talk about um just let us know man um we just again we appreciate you guys for listening to us and and subscribing and everything that you do um and as always until next week god bless